ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Claws to the Wall. I'm your host for today's episode, Ethan Hamilton, and with me is... Ethan Quintero, Courtney Abraham, Quinton Moreno. And today we're going to be talking about Texas State sports, but more specifically Texas State football. So guys, I know uh, there's a big matchup for the Bobcats this week. They're playing 12 for BYU. It's probably going to be their biggest game of the year, to be honest. They've had a lot of big games this year. I mean, the US- UTSA won, the Boston College, um, the SMU game were all big games. But there's been a common theme throughout all three games is that it They've lost all three games and they haven't played well, like in all four quarters. And really, like they've kind of, for me, they've overachieved, especially in the BY, not BYU, but the Boston College and um, SMU game. They've kind of overachieved, even though they didn't win. They they played a lot better than I thought they were. But I think this BYU game is undoubtedly like the toughest uh, team they're going to play this year. And I think a lot has to do with the quarterback, um, Wilson. Wilson has been playing like phenomenally throughout the season this year. I mean, like, he has thrown for over 1,600 yards, which is, like, about third in the FBS in passing yards. He's thrown for 12 touchdowns and one interception. What, what are you guys' impression of this BYU team that Texas State's going to be going up against? I'll go first. Um, so we all agree Texas State's doing a lot better this year than they have in previous years, especially at the quarterback position with Brady McBride kind of uh, showing out and taking the starting spot over uh, Vitt. But – there's no way we're going to beat BYU. I don't think they're 5-0. and Like you said, Wilson is playing out of his mind. We were talking earlier. He might be runner-up or even the favorite for Heisman at this point. Yeah. Um, like, he's just playing. It's, it's unbelievable. And we all know our defense struggles against good passers. We saw that against Boston College. So, it's uh, – I, I don't think there's a way Texas State can beat beat this team i think they can overachieve like you said and maybe try and keep the score close because byu has been blowing people out of the water 55 to 3 48 to 7 just blowouts they've only had one game under 40 points and they still won it that was the game against utsa and we play a lot different than how utsa plays Mm -hmm. and utsa beat us earlier in this year so yeah if we could keep it under 40 points i think that's success for us (laughs) honestly I mean, I mean, this, but this Texas State team better than the last year's Texas State team, though. So, but don't get me wrong; they have their still like little problems. But them going against BYU, like you said, Zach Wilson, he's even in the Heisman running also, and he has a sensational year. So, what I think the Bobcats could do to make it to make it like more of a game is like that game plan has to be better, and they have to be able to score on offense. That's a big thing too. I feel like they struggle on offense a lot. Defense, defense always kind of holds up throughout the game, but you kind of see it goes down like a little bit at times. But I think the big part of it will be their offense. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with like they're gonna have to win time of possession. Like if you look yeah. at the South, the South Alabama game last week, they were with them. It was seventeen all heading into the fourth, and the defense was just on the field way too long. 
South exactly. Alabama won the time possession, 34 minutes to 25 minutes. Like, you can't do that. And then the UTSA game earlier this season, they were able to hold the ball for 28 minutes against BYU. Like, that's what Texas State is going to have to do. And I think that starts with the offensive line. And the offensive line has probably been the worst in the conference. They've, mm-hmm. they've allowed 17 sacks this season, which is three more than the next closest offensive line. And I know it has to do with injuries and this being like a new offensive line at all, but like 17 is nuts already. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually, I was, I'm kind of agreeing with y'all are saying earlier. I think, I think Texas state has a big chance to show up and actually surprise. I think we can put something together. Like you were mentioning earlier, their game that was under uh, 50 point or under 40 points was the UTSA game. They held them to a one score game. I mean, yeah, we lost to UTSA, but let's not forget that was a pretty good scoring game for both teams. At the end, it kind of came down to it. But I actually think Texas State, you know, this is a BYU team that is completely dominating the game against everyone they're going up against. But I think right now we have the possibility of maybe, you know, giving some sort of competition to the other team. And I would like to see that. But again, it is BYU and the record doesn't show that that was likely to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, Ethan, you go. Uh, I was just going to say, unless BYU really doesn't care about Texas State, which is a possibility, like they think, oh, this is an easy game, we're going to go in here, let's not even worry about practice, let's go half speed. You know, If that happens, maybe we can get into like a one-score game. But if they come out firing on all cylinders, we might have a blowout on our hands. Yeah, like, and I, like, I don't, I know, like, Brady, like, has won the quarterback competition over a bit, but like, those two or three games where Vit was quarterback, I've seen more chemistry with him and the receivers than I have seen with Brady all season. Yeah, like, and I know Brady's yeah. a better quarterback than Vit, but like, early in the game against South Alabama, it was, it was third, it was third down, and he just, it was just a simple comeback route, and he threw it to the inside shoulder of um, Jeremiah Haydell, and it should have been picked for six. Like, I was like. How you miss him right there? Like he was wide open, threw it behind him, and it should have been picked off. the The corner just wasn't paying attention, and then on fourth down, he just had a, another miscommunication, which seems like more often than not, what's happening with him and the receivers. Like he's, I think the chemistry isn't there with the receivers, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like him and Bit, like especially early in the season, one quarterback's one in, one quarterback's out, one quarterback's in, one one's out, and so I think I just haven't been pleased by the way Brady has been playing. But that's just me, to be honest. I think yeah. Brady's a oh, – sorry, Quentin, go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I think Brady's a much better talent, you know, overall than Vitt. And Vitt had a whole season last year to prove himself, and he kind of didn't and fell short. But I agree with you, Ethan. There's something about Brady in the pocket. He doesn't seem as comfortable as Vitt. Like, he Vitt wants to, to leave too much. Like, he leaves the pocket way mm-hmm. too much. And I think that has to do with the fact that, like, a lot of those sacks have been long sacks because I know the offensive line hasn't played well, but he just, as soon as he goes, he goes to his like first and second reads and he's like, you know what? I don't see it. Let me get out of the pocket and maybe see if I get something else. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, man, you got to wait there at least until the pocket, not until it collapses, but at least so you know, like you went through all your reads, but like I, he, this, I just haven't seen the chemistry with him and the receivers. And Vit looks like he makes quicker decisions. To me, you know, like like you said, going through your your options, it looks like he sees his first guy and he just kind of throws it to him immediately. Even if there's like a better, you know, option later on in the progression. And I think that Brady gets a little bit flustered sometimes because he's young and he kind of hasn't had that many minutes, or not minutes, but games, uh, because there's kind of this quarterback thing going. But I don't know. I, th- I hope he kind of gets a little bit more comfortable as the season progresses. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think decisively he is he is like more on on track with that. I know this is such like a specific question. Do we know like practice wise who's getting like what the reps look like for quarterback and receivers? I think Brady's getting first team snaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, but Cordy, don't you go to practice right? Like it's Brady, right? Yeah, yeah, they both alternate, so they'll go for one drive and for Brady, and then in the next drive they'll go in. And okay, and then do you see like that, that translate out there on the practice as well? Do you see, like, that communication between the receivers? What I see, like Ethan said, I do see a difference between Brady and Vid with the receivers. With Brady, I feel like he kind of does get flustered. And it's, he was kind of missing some wide-open receivers, like, when they was going uh, – when they was doing teams, actually. And then he kind of missed, like, a couple of reads. It was like if he just waited, like, probably, like, two seconds, then he would probably seen that he was open. And with Vic, he takes, even though he's been Undertaker State for a little bit and he didn't do much last year, he can, you can tell the difference how he gained in his game. Like he takes his time, he kind of waits before he just makes a move. He looks a lot better than than last year. Vic looks Mm -hmm. a lot better than how he did last year. He looks a lot, way better from last year. Yeah, like I'm just worried, like, especially because Texas State hasn't been very good on third down. This year, they're like eighth in the conference on third down conversion. (laughs) They're averaging about 30, 34% on third down, which is not good at all. And they played really bad on third down against South Alabama. They were mm-hmm. four for 12 on third down. And South Alabama was four for 13. And South Alabama, on, on the other end of the ball, they were 10 for 18. They were going up over 50%. Like, they just couldn't get off the field. And don't get me wrong, like, the defense, defense has its issues too, but, like, the offense just needs to do a better job of situational football. That's what I think. I'm a little surprised we haven't seen a running game um, excel more than we have. Cause we were talking last year on the podcast, Ethan, about how excited we are with Brock Sturgis coming in. And we thought maybe the run game would be a little bit more prevalent in our offense. And it's been okay, but we're kind of sharing amongst like three running backs and we're getting about sub a hundred yards a game. And it just hasn't, and it shows in the time of possession that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know. I think, um, I think that the fact that has to do with like the offensive line is not very good yet. And this is Spavadol's first year calling plays. And like we said, they're, they've been improving on like all facets of, of the team since last year. And I think next year is going to have to see, like, especially with that offensive line, I think going into the off season, that's going to be what he's going to need to fix. Like, and maybe that it has to do with getting in more recruits from JUCOs or getting better freshmen from recruiting or it's the fact that they might need more playing time. I don't know what it is. I'm not a coach. I'm not a scout. I can't tell you that. <laughs> like, if I – I'd be coaching right now. But, like, I just – I feel like the offense can do so much better, and I think we've only kind of seen, like, a tip of the iceberg, especially, like, this. Like I think the, the second half of the UTSA game, they played flawless, especially the offensive line took it to another level that I think if they played that even for, like, the second quarter, they would have blown UTSA out the water. And then earlier in the season, was it – who they play where they got their first official win? Was it ULM or ULL? ULM, right? I think it was ULM. ULM. Yeah, ULM. I think, yeah. 17? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vic played so great that game. Like, just so great. And, like, when in the second half, when you saw that um, ULM was trying to come back, they played great situational football. They started running the ball more. They started controlling the clock. Like, they were playing with the lead, you know what I mean? But if you look, like, a couple weeks ago when they were playing Troy, 
the last which where Troy got the game winning um, field goal rather than going to overtime. The last drive, um, Spavro elected to do three straight pass plays with forty five seconds left. <laughs> like I don't I don't know what he was thinking there. Like forty five seconds left. Why don't you just play for overtime? I don't know. Yeah. We should get him on the yeah. podcast and ask him. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, the first, yeah. that's the first question I'm asking is why he didn't run a ball. That, like that, like I remember in Bobcat Radio a couple weeks ago, we were talking about it. And I was like, how do you, with a minute left, like a minute 45, just burn minute, the clock? <laughs> really? <laughs> Play for overtime. At the that point, you just gave up a touchdown. You have 47 seconds left and you got two timeouts left. Run the ball and run the clock. All you need is one first down. And even if you don't get the first time, you burn 10 seconds. Instead, like the whole possession, they only burnt three seconds. And the, the and then the offensive tour went down the field and got a field goal and won the game. I don't know. Like I was just so surprised. And it's like stuff like that that I think has been holding back this team. Like, I mean, it has, like, I know we have to emphasize they like it's a lot better than it was like in the past. And I know it's gonna take time. But you're looking at games like the Boston College game, they should have won that. UTSA game, they should have won that. They, should, they definitely should have won that yeah. UTSA game. They definitely should have won that one. The, uh, the Troy game. Was Troy – I might have been messing it up. It was the Boston College game where they ran the last drive. They passed away. The, the, uh, and then the, the Troy game, they got blown out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they got blown out. I just want to – like, for the rest of the season, I know everybody's going to get a bowl game this year. I think that's what the NCAA decided, right? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm sure. not sure either. All right, well, I'll check on that while this podcast is going. But, like, <laughs> I like you, if they end up having a bowl game and they get a chance to win a bowl game, I think that's what they're going to have to fix. That boosts up their confidence, though. That'll really help them. Yeah. If going they win a bowl year. game, that'll definitely mm-hmm. help them. Yeah, it'll give everybody a little bit more inspiration to kind of carry some more momentum into the games. Bring in some new recruits, too. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. So how that's- long oh, – I'm sorry, Quentin, go ahead. I was going to say, no, I think that's what we're missing too. I think we need that. I think we need that extra push. I think these guys, you can't say that these guys aren't talented enough. They got the talent. I think they just need, they need whatever that is to get them in that direction going. Yeah. I, I just switched it up right now. Yeah. The last week, the NCAA, they, they waived the, um, the win requirement. Cause you know how before it used to be, you used to have to be 500 mm-hmm. to get a ball game. Mm-hmm. Now they waive that. So you don't have to have a winning record to get a ball game. So everybody gets a bowl game. You get a bowl game. You get a bowl game. I think it's the fact that like a lot of the conferences aren't playing, so they have to put teams in like bowls, like the Liberty Bowl or the Alamo Bowl. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if, especially Texas State, maybe splits the last couple of games that they have. They have a hard schedule at the end of season. Who we got after uh, after BYU? Do we know? Uh, let me check real quick, but. Like, is it impossible, or are we looking it's at? Be tough. We, we played a raging case in Louisiana. Yeah, and, and they won. Uh, then they they were second in the conference last year, and they won a bowl game with their first year head coach last year too. They went like seven and two, seven and three. Dang. And then I think we still have to play App State, who won the whole thing last year. Oh yeah. Mm, yep. Uh, I have a question for y'all. Uh, last year we on the podcast talked about how this season we thought we could go 500 probably not going to happen now that we're looking at it. Maybe. I mean, there's a possibility, but the likelihood is pretty slim. So okay, we, okay. they play, they play app state, Georgia Southern, 
Mm. Arkansas State and Coastal Carolina, the last game, and Coastal Carolina is undefeated. Yeah, we got some tough last game. I think they're top 10. Are they top 25? I think they might be top 10 in the country. Coastal Carolina? Coastal Carolina? I might be BSing. I'm going to cap. But it's top 25 for sure. Let me see. <laughs> I might have just, yeah, just BSed the whole thing I just said. <laughs> I feel like you actually might be right, though. I feel like they might be like 24, 25. I don't think you're lying. I, yeah, I could see 20, top 25. I've never heard of Coastal Carolina until I came to Texas State. So that's kind of. Yeah, they're 4-0 four, they're four in conference and 5-0 in total. I've only heard about Coastal Carolina once because the guy who Josh. won the FedEx Cup was from Coastal Carolina. Oh. I only see out who Coastal Carolina was because of Josh Norman. Uh, oh, he's from Coastal? Okay. The even mm-hmm. punching bag. Josh Norman. Oh yeah, they're twenty fifth <laughs> in the country. Dang. Oh, wow. oh, okay. Bro, is any okay? Before I get on my rant, is anybody tired of the, them putting teams that haven't played a single game in the top twenty five rankings? Like that just, <laughs> <hurts me. laughs> like, that just hurts me, bro. Like why is like I love Ohio State. I think it's them and and Clemson like in the font like that's gonna win it all. And I think the gap between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields is not that big as people say. Like I get how good Ohio State is. But they have not played a game of football, and they're the fifth-ranked team in the country. That is so rude. They don't even <laughs> they don't even give anybody the option to take the spot for now. Yeah, like I don't understand. Like, and half these teams of this top twenty-five ranking, like, haven't even played. They haven't even played. When do like, they even play? They're not even playing till what November? No, they, no, uh, no, no. They start playing next this week. Oh, okay. But that's but it's been a whole month and a half of football. <laughs> they haven't played. <laughs> What are we playing? <laughs> I mean, when you, you, I mean, if we want to like talk about it, like um, with almost any sport, the rankings are always like, yeah, but they're they always like completely played a game. <laughs> a game, and they're the fifth ranked team. Like, don't get me wrong, they they're going to finish as the second best team, like depending like how good they're going to match up against teams like them, Alabama, and even like uh, Oklahoma State, but like. They haven't played a game, and they're the, they're the fifth ranked team. <laughs> you know when a lot of like I'm gonna pose this question. I know it's not too related to Texas State, but like, if there has ever been a year for them to expand the college football playoffs, like I think this year was the year. Think so? Like yeah. for Texas State? No, no, just like the college footballs, like playoffs, just in general. Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. Because think about it, like half the a quarter, like. More than a quarter of the teams aren't playing. And a lot of the big teams have started late. Like, why not make it an 18-16 playoff with the first two teams being by? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fine, you need to play NCAA. You might uh, be honest, Hank. They're too busy robbing kids of money. My bad. Yeah, they're not taking that call. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have anything else you guys want to talk about? Take State football? Uh, I was just—I had a question for everybody. How long do you think it'll be until we actually like a fifty, like a consistent five and five team, or even better than that? I think it's on how long Spav is there. I agree. You, yeah. you, you don't I like agree. Spav, or you do like Spav? I mean, I like Spav. I'm not 100 percent sold on him. I see that the team has been better from year two than it has been in year one. But that's also not saying much. Yeah, that's true. They won two, three games last year. And to be fair, they're on pace to win two, three games this year. Yeah. Okay, ain't they one and five now? 
Yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, this is just me. I don't know if y'all agree, but like when it comes to coaching, I just don't see it like with him. I don't see like that leadership. I don't see like, I don't even honestly see like the team, like them acting in unison. You know what I mean? Like you, you see when a coach has like that winning style coaching. I see, and them, a see, that confident. I see them a lot more confident though. Yeah, I see that. But I just don't know if I see, I, don't, I can't, I don't see him. I don't see us doing any different than what we did last two years. And for at least the next, you know, next year, maybe even possibly after that. Yeah, but like I said, like, Spav has, he's going to get as much time as he wants, to be honest. Yeah. And you should, you know, mm -hmm. it's fair. You know, you got you to gotta give them their, you got to give them their time as well. Yeah, kind of just mean, like, kind of just like the Cowboys. Everybody's ready to just fire Mike McCarthy. No, we'll I'm talk ready. about that later. We're gonna get that later. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, um, I mean, honestly, we can. Since you kind of already started it, we can start talking about the NFL. I mean, we're over a month and a half. We're almost at the halfway mark this season with the mm -hmm. NFL. Um, going into the season, I had my doubts of it being like without it being no fans. It kind of still doesn't feel the same especially with the fake crowd noise. And I think that's impacted a lot of teams. But, like, out of the teams so far that have really playing well, I'm going to ask you guys this question. I'm going to answer first and then ask you guys this question. Like, if you had to pick one surprise team from the NFC and the AFC so far this season, who would it be? And for me, it has to be, like, for the AFC, it's, um, it's the Titans for me. I, th I thought um, losing Jack Conklin this season to the Browns, I thought that would have hurt him a lot. Yeah. But Ryan Tannehill is for real. Yo, can we talk about Derrick Henry too? Yeah. We, I mean, like, ever since he got put in last year, he got stats like a top five quarterback. And, and he outplayed Lamar in a playoff game. And Brady. He did. He did. I'm not so – not Ryan Tannehill. I'm not – I just think he he's one of those quarterbacks, like – I put him in the convert, like in the in the tier with people like Goff. I, I, you like know what I think? I I you think yeah, like Jared Goff. But I'm also thinking of someone else. Like, like oh. I think Jared Goff and him and another name that I would throw out there is um. I think he's kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Cause Ryan Fitzpatrick be having he be having some good games, but he won't he won't get it done. You won't care. Can, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think Tannehill, like if you give him a run game, a lot like golf, like you've seen golf with a run game this year, he looks like a top top ten quarterback. Kind of like Jimmy G too. Jimmy G is another one. Yeah. Like I, I'd put in that like second or third tier of quarterbacks. I think I would count Kirk Cousins before this year, like especially Kirk Cousins last year. Like if you give him a running game, mm -hmm. all those quarterbacks like and and Tannehill has shown it, they're great on play action. They're great on play action. I Wait, you, you mentioned Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Didn't, didn't they bench him the last game? Yeah. So they, were, they, were up. yeah they were up. And then for the NFC, I honestly, like, the surprise team so far this season has to be – it has to be, like, the Bears. Mm. Like, I don't know if they're for real they're yet. Like, I'm not, I'm not sold on them. I still think – Nick Foles is a one-hit wonder. I don't think he's that good. Like, I just don't think he's that good. But, like, the fact that they're 5-1 and one right now and they've beaten teams like the Buccaneers, 
like shows me that like whoever has to play them, like a team that has to play them or the Rams in the playoffs, it's gonna suck. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Foles is giving hope to all the unathletic kids like me that just like <laughs> fantasize about like if I was in the NFL, I would take over the starting spot and win a Super Bowl and then continue to be a legend. That's like my dream, you know, when I'm yeah. laying in bed. I, I think I think he's really good, but I like like you said, I don't think he's as good as everyone's. I'm not sold on him, like just the team in general. I don't know what to think about most of these teams, to be honest. I feel so iffy about the whole season. I think it's just because I'm salty because of what happened this past. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, if we want to talk about it, you know, uh, do we want to analyze? Okay, we'll say it. We'll say it. All right. Uh, my surprise teams, if you want to all go around and say that, for the AFC, I had the same one as you, the the Titans. I've always liked Tannehill. I always thought he was really underrated, even when he was with the Dolphins. He was kind of mobile. He just didn't have any weapons around him except for Jarvis for, like, a brief, like, two-season period. Yeah. Uh, but they're playing – like, they haven't stopped since their playoff run last year. They ultimately lost, but they looked really good in the playoffs, and they just kept that momentum going. And then for the NFC, I'd have to go Cardinals, man. I had no idea. No, I was thinking the same thing. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are having a field day with the offense. The defense is like it's just okay, like it's good. But like Patrick Peterson is hey, like that, that Isaiah Simmons pick is not looking too good. A mm. lot of people thought they stole him at eighth. He only has around, I think he only has nine tackles on the season. Yeah, well, that's what you get. I, I used to be a, te- a big Texas Tech fan, like football fan, not the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cliff Kingsbury, I'm very familiar with, and I knew he was going to do make an incredible offense to surround Kyler with. And this season, he's really shown the versatility he has as a play caller. He was never a great defensive guy, you know. He's a quarterback, and he's Texas Tech has a notoriously bad defense. Uh, but if you get somebody in there on defensive side that knows what they're doing, and you got Patrick Peterson holding down the fort, I think the Cardinals could be a surprise playoff team. And Buda Baker is really good. Oh yeah, Buda Baker really showing up too. He's playing like a top. I'm, it might be a stretch. I prefer him over Jamal Adams. That is just me though. Mm. I think I mm. like I don't. I can get on my Jamal Adams rant one day <laughs> on the podcast on how like he's more of a linebacker than an actual safety. I think he's a liability in coverage. I think the best safety in the world is Minka Fitzpatrick, but we can save that discussion for another day. Or Jeff Heath all the way, 100%. I love Jeff Heath. That's why we're losing. Whoever's like the Raiders might be a shout though. They're, they're good. Mm, They are good. Yeah. Raiders would be a surprise, but I I think for mine, I thought my thought is probably the same as Ethan. But yeah. possibly the Raiders. I, I, I'm pretty much going to say the Cardinals and the Titans. Even though I'm a full Chiefs fan, and I don't think nobody's going to beat us. Yeah, I think the only the only team that get like, the AFC is a lot harder this year than it was last year. I think Tennessee's for real. I think Pittsburgh, that defense is the best defense in the league. Pittsburgh undefeated, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think those defenses are going to give – the Chiefs team trouble. I don't know if they're going to beat them. Like I said, I still think the Chiefs are the, are the team to beat just in the league. And then I think the Patriots that like, I think they'll figure it out. They had it or they had the magic like earlier in the season with Cam. Yeah. And I think they're going to be a tough out this playoffs. 
Yeah, I think the Sunday we'll find out a lot about both of them because Steelers and Titans going up against each other. So I think we'll we'll see a lot from both teams in that game. Yeah. It'll definitely tell us what, what to look forward to. Buffalo's but, looking nice too. Sorry, oh, I, I forgot. Another, that. Oh yeah, I'm Buffalo. Really, yeah, Buffalo gonna be tough. I'm not sold on Josh Allen. Mm. He's a good arm, but I mean, it's the Bills, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Bills, you know. I mean, the only people that are, you know, the Bills are doing great, so the Jets are doing terrible. So those are the only two people that care about each other. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can get into it when, like, the Cowboys. Like, you want to start, or you want me? Because I'm gonna start. <laughs> you can go. I'm you can go. Cow- I'm let the Cowboys fan go on the rant first. Like, I, <laughs> coming into this season, like, I was just more than anything upset that the fact, like. That that contract wasn't handled well. Like it, he, we could have, uh, the Cowboys could have signed him two years ago for under thirty-five million. And then looking back on this time this year, and think about even that he did get hurt, like, oh, what a steal! But instead, now they are going to have to franchise him one more year to see if he's available, see if he's going to play anywhere near to the level he was playing before he got hurt. And then they've kind of tanked this whole season this year with the fact that, like, I think as Cowboys fans, we can all agree, like, the time for Tyron Smith is over. Like, he's become, like, more or less a liability this these past three or four seasons. Just health-wise, I don't think he's he's ready to play. And Ze- giving Zeke that six-year, $90 million contract might have been the worst thing because he don't look like he want to play. Yeah, I'm just not seeing the hunger in Zeke anymore. I don't see I don't see him going after the way he used to. I don't see us and I definitely don't see us converting on third and out. Like what is going on with our whole offense? And what's up what's up with our all our injuries? Like it just seems like this year's just falling apart so quickly and I had such high hopes for this year. It's it's sad to see it happening, honestly. Yeah, like honestly, I thought the time to get a new coach was after the Rams game. I think the Rams game told us that, like, that's as far as Jason Garrett was going to take us. And I think at that moment, they should have I, – I, like, me and my friends talk about this a lot. I thought they should have threw the house. I'm talking two first rounds, two second rounds, and go get Bill Belichick or Sean Payton. Yeah. Wow. Because I, wow. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how the Patriots say – especially, like, Talking about two years ago, so like the year that the Patriots won the Super Bowl, I don't know after that year, Brady's age and the fact that they have no receivers, I don't know how they don't say no to that deal. And if the Cowboys got Belichick and like, I think the only reason they, they would have been able to keep Belichick more than anything is if Jerry would finally like after 30 years, step, like, aside. step back and let Belichick get full reign with the roster we had last year. There is no doubt in my mind that the Cowboys for the next four years will be playing the NFC Championship game with Bill Belichick as the head coach. Or Sean Payton, for that matter. And the fact that they didn't do something like that, that the old Jerry, the businessman Jerry, was like known for is making deals like that, surprised me. I was cool because that's a, that's a that's a, that's a that's a big deal to make to get Bill Belichick or Sean yeah. Payton. But the fact that you went and shined Mike McCarthy who's just a clone of Jason Garrett. Like, I don't see a difference in that. Like, I would have much rather him him got Urban Meyer or him get the um, offensive coordinator from the Chiefs 
Eric Bellamy. Yeah, I could see Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer would have been a great fit for Cowboys. Plus, didn't Zeke play under him, right? Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't, they didn't throw the house at him. And the fact that he let Mike, he let Chris Richard walk away mm. for Mike Nolan. Like, I, w- I don't know why he hasn't been fired in the past two weeks. Changing the defensive scheme has been the biggest mistake, in my opinion, all season long. We went from like years, I think it's 4-3, we ran literally for decades, we've run that defense. And then all of a sudden we change it to 3-4. It could have been the other way. I might be flipping these schemes. But either way, we flipped it all of a sudden in our $18 million uh, defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence, who led the league in sacks. Was it two seasons ago? Or was it last season? He has like one sack, maybe two total this entire season. And we played how many games? Five? Five? Yeah. Like, I don't understand how you – and our defense is the worst in the league and potentially a top five worst of all time. I don't know how you make that decision and not be able to tell in practice, like, yeah, this isn't working. Like, this is obviously a bad scheme. Let's flip things over. Let's go back to the way we used to do it. And like, if you think about it, like, the three most important positions on the football field is quarterback, left tackle, and D tackle. And at this moment in time, we have arguably – the worst three. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, like, don't get me wrong, like, Andy Dalton's not good, but he's not bad, and that offensive line did not bail him out at all. I was – I'll say this. I was expecting – I knew it was going to look rough out there, but I was expecting a little bit more from Andy Dalton. But he didn't have time to throw. Like, that's why I'm not even mad at him. Like, yeah, but – Steel, uh, I think, what is it, uh, Brandon Knight and then uh, Steel, the, the, the other tackle – they yeah. are they're really bad. Like they're really confused. Dontari Pole, Antoine Woods, Tristan Hill, they're really bad. Did we play Houston this year? No. No, oh, nah. I want to see JJ Watt eat on our tackles, dude. Like like our defense. And our DNs are solid. Like Alden Smith is pretty pretty good. Demarcus Lawrence is solid, even though I think he's um Stealing a check, but um, yeah, it's his time. Yeah, I think for sure the D tackles are the worst in the league. I think this offseason, we're gonna have to look into the fact that like we paid Zeke and Amari, which I love so much. Like, I think Amari is a top 10 receiver, borderline five. But the fact is, we didn't need to pay Amari. Michael Gallup is showing you this season, he's a very good wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb is showing you that. In a year or two, when he, once he gets full range of playing on the outside, because this season he hasn't played on the outside. He's been playing strictly slot. Once yeah. he plays on the outside, CeeDee's going to be an elite receiver in the NFL. I agree with that. I like CeeDee Lamb a lot. I think he's he's the Alabama guy, right? Uh, oh, you, Oh, you. Yeah, he's yeah, cold. Um, I, love, I like CeeDee. I definitely see that. Two years, yeah, get him out there. Yeah, and I think right. paying Amari $20 million, is that how much they paid him? He's the highest horrible deal. Second hand. It's not horrible because but it's the fact that like we didn't guys, need it. You didn't need it. Like 20 mil. But, Jesus. So how much they found Zeke for again? Six, 16 and a half. He's the second highest paid running back behind McCaffrey. And if you look on paper, like if you discount the fumbles, Zeke has had a pretty solid year this year. He's I blame the belly tattoo, bro. <laughs> I blame the belly tattoo. Bad, bro. 
he's at 30 yards from scrimmage. He's second in running back receptions. He's top 10 in rushing yards. He's top 10 in rushing touchdowns. But he has leads the league in fumbles. Like, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. It doesn't matter. All those other stats don't stack up whenever you have – you're leading in fumbles. Yeah. I don't know how much time we got left, but I have one question for everybody. Um, we're on 30, 30, 30 minutes or so, so you can ask one more. Uh, one more? All right. Uh, given that our season is pretty much – over or according to the Cowboys fan, but Cowboys season is over. Who would y'all, who would y'all draft? Cause we need, we need a defensive backs. We need defensive tackles. Yeah. We need a new offensive line. What do you pick first? I think it's, it's um, tackle or, or D tackle. I, I feel like I need DBs though. We yeah, have but, one. <laughs> we have digs and that's it. And we have, we have <laughs> And look at it, look how great he's playing in, in Miami. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Showing out. Yeah. Tell I, me we had that. Yeah, like yeah, y'all didn't have that when he was there. <laughs> he just wasn't, he just couldn't get interceptions. That's not the type of corner he is. And I think safety is a big issue. I don't know if he waits the top five pick on a safety. Mm. Like, like I'm a big mindset of receivers and like skill position players, you can get in free agency. In the draft, you have to build, like, the trenches. I think that's what they need to do. Yeah. I think if we sign Jeff Heath, all of our problems go away. <laughs> <laughs> Let him go hurt some people like he used to. We need something for sure because the season ain't looking good no more. No, I, I, I packed it in. I packed it in after the um, – the, not even the Browns game. I really packed it in after the first half of the Atlanta game. Even if they won, I packed it in. I was like, yeah, I know where this is going. They're not going to fool me. Nope, I will not let Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy fool me for the rest of the season. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that's going to be all for us, to be honest. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching to the Claws of the Wall podcast. I'm Ethan Quintero. I'm Courtney Abraham. I'm Quinn Moreno. I'm Ethan Hamilton. And make sure you go like and subscribe on all of our uh, platforms. We got Instagram at KTSW Sports. We got a Twitter. We got a YouTube, all at KTSW Sports. So make sure you go follow us, give us a like, and subscribe. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace.